0: Well, good morning. Um, there's a lot more overlap than I expected. A little bit from from Friday. Um, that's okay. So this morning we're privileged to have Mark and Catherine Rittersbach um, share a little bit with Ethnos 360, um, former New Tribes, um, both about their ministry and here in the states now, but also what they used to do. Um, So I'm excited to have them share a little bit with you, um, talk a little bit, and, and just encourage us in missions. But let's open up in prayer first, and then we'll bring them up. Our Father God, we come before you this morning, Lord, grateful for the opportunity to gather. Grateful that we can once again gather to worship you. And Father, we do so by remembering your work around the world this morning. May you convict our hearts May you draw us nearer to you through what you're going to say this morning, through Mark and Catherine, Lord and Father. May we just be encouraged by what you're doing around the world. We commit this time to you, asking that you are glorified in it. May you be honored and pleased. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. And I'll open it up to you then. You. Turn so one here. I think it's.
1: Am I on? Okay. Oh, I think I am. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. I didn't realize quite the overlap we would have either, so I'm glad I did a presentation that's 50% the same but somewhat different. So, <laughs> so for some of you, you're gonna be hearing similar, but I'll I'll keep the story out of it this time. So um, thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity. And it's just great to be here. It's been so fun being at the conference and just connecting with everybody. The the passion for missions, the zeal, the excitement, the generations of kids. It's just awesome to see. We get to a lot of places and a lot of churches, and that's just not something we see a lot of. So uh, thank you for doing that. So anyway, let's start with a word of prayer, and we'll get right into it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much, God, that you are working mightily locally. You're working mightily globally to redeem a people for your namesake from every language tribe tongue and nation thank you god that you invite us to be a part of this a grand redemptive narrative that you're writing and you very much desire us to be a part have purposed us to be a part and that we just get to to go alongside of you there lord and, and be a part of what you're doing and so we just we just thank you for that it's a privilege and it's an honor just ask that everything said tonight or this morning, I guess, would bring uh, honor and glory to you. Make much of who you are, God. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I got my little old grandpa glasses up here just in case I need them. (laughs) Um, So we are Mark and Catherine Rittersbach. Missionaries with Ethnos 360, formerly New Tribes Mission, founded in 1942. This was a a quote that was in the Brown Gold Magazine from May of 1943. This is kind of the heart of our founders. By unflinching determination, we hazard our lives and gamble all for Christ until we have reached the last tribe, regardless of where that tribe might be. And this has always been Catherine and I's uh, heart in ministry too. I think it was Romans 15, 20, and 21, maybe Paul says, I, I strive to get the gospel where Christ has not yet been named so those that have not heard will hear and those who have not seen will see and So it's, uh, that's kind of been our passion as well. So we've always been involved in ministry related, even within the church when we were on the pastoral staff, related to somehow uh, evangelism and missions. So... Um, So thankful that God has allowed us to be a part of that. This is my wife, Catherine. She's definitely the better half. I married up, if you're wondering, guys. Uh, Yes, it's obvious, but anyway. So, um, yeah, this is our family. My son, Colton, and his wife, Leanne. They're uh, these guys. Oh, uh, those guys. And... uh, and then their grand, our grandbabies, Alara and Pierce, there in the middle, and that's Colton and Leanne's. And then there's another little baby on the way, another little boy. So we love being grandparents. It's so much fun. And the kids are just at that fun age, a little Alara's talking away, and so it's just such a joy. Uh, Alan and Michaela, my daughter Michaela and her husband Alan, um, they live in Mount Vernon, so they're a lot closer. Colton and Leanne are in Indiana, that's a little bit away, so that's been brutal for us. But we're thankful that we get to see them at all. So love our kids, love spending time with them any time we can get. So they're both love the Lord, plugged into ministry, so that's cool. Always a kind of, you know, peace of mind. Yes, I don't know how else to say it than that. Um, we're reps for the mission, and so you, you see this is kind of, we do a lot of things under this job title, but one thing we do the most of is what we're doing now. Sharing and challenging people. Uh, The vacation Bible school was an absolute blast. I have to be careful doing this now. Dressing up, I politically, I can actually get in trouble if that goes on Facebook. And it's the world we live in, isn't it bizarre? The blackface and blah blah blah, and I've painted myself. But anyway, um, great great time. Just just really sharing uh, what God's doing globally. Uh, This grand redemptive narrative and how he wants us to be a part of it And so just desiring to see God raise up and mobilize people coming out of this. So um, This Corbin University down here was awesome for us because those are Papuan and Indonesian students And that's where we served and I might be able to tell a little bit more about that story today if I have time Um, so Anyway, this is a Wyoming course that we take teams to all the time in Pennsylvania. We also lead teams overseas, but haven't been doing that as much right now with all the COVID fiasco. But we'll take teams here. It's in central Pennsylvania. It's very cost efficient. The whole program for one week long, room, board, food, all the materials, all the teaching, everything is only about 200, and 200 bucks, I think, or something like that, or 250. Obviously, for the, the challenge for young people and adults is, yeah, is getting there. If you, ever, if you have any questions... Fire away. Is that happening
2: year-round? Does yes. it just happen in the summer? No,
1: this happens year-round every single summer. They have programs running all year for the high school. They have programs running in the spring and the fall and a couple in the summer for college or for adult, and that's accredited. Most mission schools are requiring their missions, majors or minors, to go here. It's a requirement, actually. It's kind of like what Tyler was saying last night. This will wreck you. You'll go to this, and you'll never be the same. In your perspective of global missions, it'll it'll to- totally destroy you, and so you'll come back a different person.
0: Let me add in too: there are like two and three day um, midweek for pastors and any yes. anybody that's interested. Like, um, so there are shorter ones yes. if you're interested in that as well, and those are so yeah. powerful. Also, we've been to those. Their
1: leader they're leader retreats. That's so any team. leaders from your church or mm-hmm. missions leaders, or you guys just want to go because you want a shot in the arm. Because it is. Catherine and I have gone what 15 times. Mm-hmm. And it is just like, it's like a conference. It's like this conference. You just walk away like, oh my goodness, God, you're so awesome in what you're doing globally. Um, I'm gonna show you a quick little video of the high school program. And we also lead teams, uh, so that's no problem. We can get together with people on it, but I'll just show you the video real quick for the high school one. Mm
2: That first hand experience of uh, growing up overseas. A couple of the main things that I care about are the Lord and His mission in the world. So that would mean people from really every tribe, time and nation coming to know Him as their Savior. I think another thing that's very important to me is that people in America begin to care about that. I think that very few of them are really aware of God's bigger global purposes. Africa is very far away. Asia is very far away. They've never seen the sights and the sounds. They, they haven't seen the dying and the lost people. And so I felt pretty convicted early on that whether or not the Lord was going to have me go to the mission field or not, I needed to be a voice piece here so people could see. Before we came to Wyoming, a lot of the burden to spread awareness about global missions and God's purpose in the world was on me as a youth I actually was invited down to a couple of different sessions. It was the first time that I had heard kind of the chronological teaching and this big mission that God was doing from the beginning kind of time in a condensed way. And I remember the fact that it was condensed really impacted me because I, I thought it was important for people to see that big picture in a quick shot. And uh, what I found very beneficial about YNU week was we were able to bring all our kids For a specific period of time, all of them were here for all the teachings and in every session. And I found that having that concentrated week uh, might have beat out a whole year of trying to convince them of what God's doing in the world. And so for me, Wayumi helps people see. (laughs) So that it's not theory, they have to see it. And Wayumi helps paint the picture. And it gives people an idea of what the first step might be for them to be involved. My favorite thing about Waiyumi is that they do it all. Mm. <laughs> and as a new pastor, that's a big deal. At many of our previous events, it was all on me or my wife or our team to make it happen. Where now, most of my time can actually be doing follow-up and discipleship, asking questions. Waiyumi has greatly effective our ministry, our, our kids have obviously been getting a message of what God's been doing in the world through our youth group. They get that year round, but Yumi really put a stamp on it, it. It energized them. It gave them a surge. So that gives me a dynamic context to follow up with them on. You know, weeks later, what did you think about that? How was God using that in your life? And what did you remember about that? You know, and that, that context is very, very important, because we didn't want Wyumi to just end at Wyoming. We wanted the ripple effect to go out where some of our kids were now considering going to Bible school to train to be a missionary, or where some of our kids would want to come back and help. Have
1: ben is a friend of mine. He's a youth pastor, and I, I would have to agree with him that having been a youth pastor and wife ourselves... We took teams all the time, and the results were incredible. Um, We were seeing 75% of our young people that were already combined with what the Lord had us teaching regarding missions and worldview and all that. They were going into Bible school and into full-time ministries locally and globally. So he's right, a ton. And it brings so much momentum to the youth ministry. If you have young people that are like, I think missions, but I just don't know, they need to go here because it'll give a realistic look at what what's involved in cross-cultural missions and, and, and they'll either walk away with, yeah, this is it, or, phew, I'm not sure. And so, um, but yeah, it's great. It's just a, a really good program. Our, our home church, once we went on back into missions and the new youth pastor came on, they actually, the elder board said, because of how effective it had been in our, with our young people, they said, we actually wanna see you, one of the requirements for you is you're gonna take a team to Wyoming every two years. And so that's how effective it was. That Anyway, so we're, uh, we've served on a number of different occasions in the country of Indonesia. All the orange there, largest populated Muslim country in the world, Indonesia is the fourth most populated country in the world. Uh, about 17,000 islands make up the country of Indonesia. Um, over 500 different spoken languages, so there's a lot of ministry and work to be done on the islands of Indonesia, a lot of different ethnic groups, and uh, a lot of diversity, so... We served more specifically in Papua, Indonesia, Uh, both in 2019, we were there to head back and be there long term, and the Lord had different plans, and then years ago, what is that, over 20 years now, we served in Papua as well, when we were just young and our kids were babies, and that bridge there that you see is actually a really good one, they would still drive cars across that, I know that's terrifying for us here in the States, but that that bridge has probably got another five years at least, Um, and so... I would drive my car across that, but it... <laughs> so that I know that looks crazy. Um, but anyway, that bug there is a walking stick that's about 16 inches long. So they get pretty big over there. The walking sticks. Anyway, that was just a side note. We uh, when we first got back, obviously we had been to Indonesia, so we knew the language and the culture. But when we first got back there, the first thing you dive into is language and culture. Because I tell you this, it's culture, a lot of people think you need to be just brilliant and fluent in the language, and it's true, you do. You need to be able to speak like the people. But if you are a brilliant linguist and you don't understand the culture, you're still gonna destroy the ministry. Because especially in the cultures we're going into, so much of language and culture are like this. And so you can be a great, great linguist and you can know the language inside and out. And if you don't understand what's going on in there, the lens that they're looking through and the worldview that they're on, you're, you're going to destroy the ministry. So um, we did a lot of that. The grub worms, too. That's great. Yeah, I, he just brushed away the flies on that picture for me, the, on the chicken. Yeah, it was just spotted with black because that was the flies. And then he brushed it. I said, so he brushed it. I took the picture. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, some of the ministry we did, and even in the nine months that we were there, which was not very long, but the Lord had us involved because we had already had the language. Our leadership said, well, can you continue getting language and also be serving? And we said, absolutely. That will actually help our language to come back faster. So they had just had a mudslide literally the day we were supposed to fly in. So they said, hold off, come in a couple, a week later. And it just buried the western side of Santani, the, the town we were living in. Thousands of people were killed. And buried, and their houses were just busted into by silt and filled right up. Like buildings as full as this, just full. Rocks coming down. And so it was instantly we had opportunities to not only share the love, the truth of Christ, but also to be the hands and feet of Christ and just providing fresh water and clean water, digging them out of their houses and providing stoves and food to eat and things like that. So that was right off the bat. Then we served in, we were serving, plugging into some of the Papuan churches. There's Papuan churches, Indonesian churches, mixed churches, I know. So we were trying to get into some of all of them. And so we were serving there in this one particular Papuan church that was heavily affected by the mudslides. And we were uh, beginning to teach with them through chronologically uh, through the word of God. they also, our leadership asks us to work with the National Training Discipro- the Discipleship Program, which is basically our young people coming out of the interior villages. They've been saved. They've been taught interior, and they, they have a heart to reach their own people or surrounding people groups, but they need they want some more training. So we bring them out. We give them uh, about a year to two years of intense intensive training geared to reaching back into their own people. And so then they do that, and so that's what... We were beginning to build relationships because the leadership wanted us there. Um, Papua Harapan Language Institute. You already heard about this. Hope this is the a group of uh, this is the group that you saw in the Corbin picture. Uh, about six of these kids here that we were working with in Indonesia were actually in that Corbin picture as well. They're now currently at Corbin, and this what an opportunity. And I'll just wrap it up quick. Basically, the the largest populated Muslim country in the world is sending their best and their brightest from the provinces of Papua to the mission organizations to be trained and prepped to survive in the States. And because the Indonesian government, they were trying to do it and the kids were falling off the wagon and they weren't making it. So they got a hold of MAF, uh, Papa Wiley, and they said, hey, train our people, train them in language. And and Wiley Wiley said, we're going to train them in the word of God. We're going to teach them the gospel in the Indonesian government. Largest populated country in the world. Do whatever you need to do. And so right away he got a hold of Ethnos and he said, "I want you guys to do all the teaching aspects from chronologically from Genesis," and so and then different people he was bringing in to teach English and to teach culture and uh, to teach computer skills and stuff. So this our group we had about 18 to 20 of them and they were non-believers, all of them. A couple of them were Muslims, and they were going through the chronological teaching with another one of our missionaries. And then Catherine and I were doing up all the follow-up questions with them, and then we were also teaching them culture and idioms, it was so fun. It was so fun to teach them culture, and idioms. Uh, they were like, oh my goodness. So, but it- Mark, I'm, I'm just trying to follow. The, the government
0: has identified these bright young people. Yes,
1: these are like, have, uh, they're all, from all the provinces. There's 64 provinces in Papua and uh, in Irian Jaya. And so they've taken the best, highest scores. This is all high school students. They're coming out of high school and they've taken all the best and the brightest, and then we train them for two years, a year to two years in country, to just get them to where they're not gonna get here and crash and burn.
2: So the government wants and, them to come And the
1: government is sending them, paying Corbin their bill. He's paying their bill on their end at all of our expense, the government's paying it, and then they, they send them to Corbin and a couple other universities, but Corbin, you know, we've tied in, Wally Wiley was part of that, the mission with MOF, He's MAF. He said, "Man, we're going to tie these guys in." So that's—they're um, sending them here to be trained. Then they get four or five years of uh, six years of masters or whatever, and then they go back. The, the intent is that they go back as leaders, but they're—but also most of the time they're going back as believers
0: yeah. because well, of yeah. that. Was that was the one thing I wanted to share? So these kids that you're seeing here—they're all not believers at this point, but then later you see the ones at Corbin put their faith in Christ. Yeah, in a sweet relationship. with and such a hunger to go back and, and be a witness yeah. in, in their own people group. So that yeah. is, it was just very cool. They had a part of is. That. Yeah. It is, it is neat. It's a huge open <laughs> it door. Is. It is.
1: And quite frankly, it's an open door for us because mm-hmm. for a long time, we had gone to Corbin as a mission organization, a long time ago, when we were a new tribe. But over the years, that door kind of closed. And, yeah. and But now, because of our time in Indonesia yeah. and because of our time with these guys, it's kicked the door at Corbin wide open again for us. So we're going to Corbin next month for World Outreach week, week, and so we'll be connecting with all these international some students people again. Some
0: might not know that Corbin was, was a Baptist university. Yeah. They changed their name. It's in Salem, Oregon. Yeah, it's in
1: Salem, Oregon. It's a it's a Christian university. Um, yeah, Western Baptist or right. something mm-hmm. like that. In the
0: past, we've had you know, some, some people that were our age that attended yeah. church here yeah we know kevin
1: worked there <laughs> For a while. so we're trying to we're trusting the lord that as we're at corbin and we're dealing with these young kids that are some of them are taking language and taking culture classes and stuff that's what they're interested in that maybe they'd be interested in serving the lord globally instead of just uh you know so um yeah so that's and then of course i showed this the other night you ever feel like this in your walk with the lord Come on, I know you do. I know from your story, you felt like this. Um, There's times that um, the Lord uh, changes your plans. He changes your direction, and sometimes it's very quick. And and there's been several times in our case. The first time coming home, it's fast. I mean, we left everything we had there. It was all there, and we we never went back to get it. And so there's so the Lord does this, and you know, but He's good all along the way. He's always faithful. He can be trusted. Um, and it's just learning to to, um, flourish where he's planted you, learning to rejoice and have joy in the journey that he's taking you on. He's conforming you to the image of his son. He's giving you his mind, and he's taking you through all those things for that reason. How are we doing for time? Okay, we're going to move. So anyway, I'm sorry, right?
0: Oh.
2: Keep going.
1: So we were... uh, for prior to doing what we're doing now, we served at First Baptist Church of Arlington as pastor and wife. We were on the pastoral staff there, um, working with the young people. From we actually have been a part of the church since '97. We've served in youth ministry. We've served overseas on the field as their supported missionary, and then came back to serve on the pastoral staff again. But we were, you know, being paid I guess staff to pay to serve there from 2002 to 20 the fall of 2016. But loved this time. God uh, just allowed us to grow so much as a couple, and we got to be a part of what God was doing in a lot of young people's lives. They, A ton of young people have gone out of this church to serve the Lord. They're serving the Lord locally in various churches in the area. They're serving in Morocco. They're serving in Papua New Guinea. They're in the training right now being served. That young lady getting baptized there is left last Saturday for Ethnos 360 training in Missouri, and so... She's, going to want, she's wanting to serve full-time in church planting ministry. So just fun to be a part. Again, we're just a part of what God's doing. So many other people are challenging, and God's using so many people. We just get to be a part of it, and it's, it's fun to see what he does in the lives of people. Prior to that, we served in Papua, Indonesia. There's our family on the motorbike. That's how we got around. We didn't have a car, so that's, well, that's how we got around. There's the kids that you saw in the beginning, the, the adult kids. There they are there. Um, this is a cockatoo here, a yellow crested cockatoo in my right hand, and um, a dove. A $1,600 bird in the States, and that we were eating it for lunch. It tasted terrible, by the way. Yeah. I told a lady in the pet store that. I said, oh, yeah, I've eaten these, but you would have thought I just said I killed the president or killed a baby or something. She obviously was a. She's like, I cannot be. Those are endangered. Those are endangered. And I said, you know what, lady? She's like, what? She said there was 3,000 of the National Geographic said there was 3,000 of those in the whole world or something. And I said, I saw 3,000 of those in one tree. And guess what happened? We went 20 minutes downriver and there was another tree and there was 3,000 more. She was, uh, it was like I burst her bubble or something. Anyway, sorry, that was sidetracked, but I couldn't resist. When, they, when she steps into it like that, you just, mmm, like both barrels, boom. Anyway, God allowed us to serve here in this. Uh, We did a lot of survey work getting into these untouched, unreached, unengaged people groups, making contact with them, gathering information, finding out if it was a viable place to put a church plant. And a lot of times, uh, like I said the other night, we felt like this. And there were literally times, I shared the story with this gentleman back here, which I can't remember your name, but there were times that we felt like this. Um, there were times we didn't know whether we were coming out on some of those surveys. But as a result, the Lord has done awesome stuff. These people went from cannibalism and hopelessness to light and life in Christ. Uh, this is another group that we surveyed. Uh, our, our mission is working in the Moroc today. Uh, there's a church being brought to maturity in Christ, translation of scripture. So the, even those uh, times back then were not wasted. God does not waste any of our time. Uh, Sometimes we walk away feeling like, did did that do anything? Am I doing anything, Lord? And yet the Lord is doing things working mightily uh, the way he does behind the scenes. Um, So why missions? Well, why not? I I shared this. We'll move through these quick. And, And because Tyler just shared this too. I mean, it was like we were talking in the same, we were on the same page here. But there's this this grand redemptive narrative going on, and God is the author of that story, and He's been writing it from the beginning of time, and He has created us and purposed us to be a part of it. And it's that He's redeeming a people for His namesake from every language, tribe, tongue, and nation. And of course, Tyler hit into that on Revelation. But you know, God God set a plan in motion um, in Genesis to bring every language and culture of the world together in unity. Um, as one body through redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is worthy, worthy, worthy of their glory. And he's worthy of us doing it as well. Pastor Chris Anderson here wraps it up awesome. I do love it. I'll let you read that. But that's a, you know, kind of a nice wrap-up of what's going, what's going on, uh, what God's busy doing. And so, And he invites us to be a part of it. We're not the sole thing. We're just a part of what he's doing. And it's a privilege and an honor to serve him in this way whether it's local or whether it's global. And there's a thousand different ways we can do, serve him in missions, so. um, You know, of course, uh, the verse that, the Great Commission verse is uh, very clear that, that the responsibility, the implications of the Great Commission is not building up, 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 which is the trend today, but it's building out, 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 and so It's very clearly taught that way. God, Christ, this is what I want you to be busy doing until I return. Of course, that word nations, we'll go by this. In the Greek, it's language, people group, tribal group, ethnic group. So in Indonesia, there's 500 of those. Indonesia's been reached with the message of the gospel, but that doesn't mean every people group within its borders has been reached with the message of the gospel, and yet that's what the mandate is here. And so... um, So why would my, well, my parents went to these kind of people groups 50 years ago in Borneo. um, And they went because of this very reason that I'm telling you today, 50 years later is the reason they went. And 30 years after them, we went to the Papua and we began to try to work with the See, They live up in the trees um, and tree houses. Um, But uh, so again, for the same reason. This is the same reason we went. And then this is the reason that people are going today. I was just reading an article, a a newsletter today, from a a guy that we were in the training with, and they're going into the Kuyu in PNG right now, and they're learning, they're they're setting up, they're building their houses and stuff, and it's an unreached, unengaged people group, and they're going to be learning language and culture and begin this process, and we'll look at how long this process is because it's a long one. Um, I wanna show you a video, and um, you saw this last night, but it'll be clearer in here now. So what this video is, is the Moy people that we're friends with, the, uh, Stephen and Carolyn Crockett and uh, Rich and Karen Brown are in the Moy. I've been in the Moy back in the early days. This video is probably 10, 10 or 15 years old, but the Moy are hearing the message of the gospel. They've heard it for the first time in about 80 Moy in Christ, and they're just sharing their testimony. Now they've been taught chronologically from Genesis to the Ascension, hitting all the key redemptive stories along the way. They've been taught who is God, who is Satan, what is man, what's the character and nature of God, character and nature of man, who, what's sin, who are the spirits. I mean, they've been taught well, and you can tell too as you hear their testimonies. Anyway, that's us uh... But look at the light and the life, the joy, even the smiles in the background are incredible. When they share.
0: Anything but
2: and I have to, you the you not sure you are the you have to for who how many times? You know, I don't know what you are doing. Not even you are not yet, but you are very good. I didn't hear what a pump. Not even for that. I didn't think I do babble up with my air money. Here is one car มี
0: I
1: I of Anyway, you could see all the pictures in the background of that for all the chronological teaching and stuff. Of course, I showed this the other night, you know, over 6,000, actually closer to 7,000 of the world's people groups remain unreached. Two billion people worldwide unreached and or unengaged. I have a video here, but I'm, I, it's, it's a very challenging video, but I don't think I'll show it. Um, it just kind of talks about the reality of this. Um, so we'll just move by it real quick. Um, so it doesn't matter what the, you know, this, the face of missions is looking different nowadays. This is a displaced people's group in Africa. There's about 2 million people converging on that. And there's eight different people groups there, and most of them are unreached people groups. And they're just living in that. And so whether missions looks like that, you know, and our mission is trying to figure out, strategize, how do we get into that and live in that context with eight different people groups and reach into some of these or if it's the slum hanging off the river in the Philippines like that, or these huge cities in Thailand and India and Indonesia. I mean, you're talking millions and millions of people. Or if it's the isolated pockets of the jungle, like the kind of works that I'm showing you. Um, it doesn't matter where it is, and it's all hard now. Closed-access countries, the, all the low-hanging fruit's gone in missions. The easy stuff's done. Now what's left is closed-access countries, armpits of the world, um, isolated places where you got to get in with helicopter, and you do the h- long, hard work of learning language and culture because these are unwritten languages. You know, there's nothing that can reach them until you go in there. And so, um, this is what it looks like. But the challenge is still the same: two billion people uh, waiting to hear the message of the gospel for the first time. So, um, of course, you know, when I do think of that, I, I think of Romans. I said this the other day: there are places in the world like. These people need to hear the gospel, but English won't help them. The national language won't help them. Christian radio won't help them. The four spiritual laws won't help them. Tracks won't help them. Uh, the only thing that will help them is people who are willing to go, whether it be national missionaries or expats, but people who are willing to go and do the, the long and hard work of missions. And I keep saying that because it is a long, hard work. Our ministry goal as a church, as a mission organization, is the mature church. That's what we intend to leave. And you saw the Samandung church that I was talking about. Fifty years later, they're still producing churches and planting churches and making disciples. And when it says teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you in Matthew, that implies maturity. And of course, you see in Paul here, uh, he, is, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that I can present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend. That's an interesting little word phrase there if you study it out. With all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in. me, Again, um, and, the, and this doesn't happen overnight. This doesn't happen in two weeks. It doesn't happen in two years. Okay? It doesn't happen going in and showing the Jesus film. Not to say that God doesn't use that. He does. But it does, this does not happen. You don't go in and show the Jesus film, film to the Moy and all of a sudden thousands come to Christ. Um, it just doesn't work that way. This, this is a long, hard road, and this is kind of a chart. We call it equipping one, equipping two, equipping three. And all of those things you see in the beginning here, local church, training, after training, arrival in the field, that whole process right there, that's a four to five year process. Of you being taught well in the church, by the by, the leadership, and then you being challenged into missions, and then you going, okay, I need to get some training, and then you getting training, and then once you get the training, then you going and raising your support, your partnership development, which all our missionaries know what that's looking like. That takes time, and then you get on the field. So you're looking at four to four to five years just for the first part, then you get to the field, then you arrive in the field and there's adjustment and orientation and building relationships, and and then there's, national culture and language study because you want to be fluent in the national language and the national culture so that you can effectively minister and work alongside the national and the local church in reaching into uh, and, and stuff. so you have that and tribal t- and so then that's another two to three years and then you move into tribal culture and language study and that's another four years, you know, so you're looking at time. And then the the church plant, believe it or not, evangelism stage, the fun (coughs) stage, by the time you get there, you're ten years into it. And the fun stage is actually the easiest. It's the fastest. It's three to six months. And you're hitting you're teaching the entire word of God, line upon line, precept upon precept, starting in Genesis, you're giving them the Word of God the way that we were given the Word of God, the same exact way from beginning to end, as a story. And you're teaching through Genesis to the Ascension of Christ, hitting all the key redemptive stories. So by the time you get to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the people are already cluing in. Oh my goodness. Somehow, somehow, I don't know how, but that Lamb is going to be, you know. And so they're already cluing in and they understand. So that's the fastest. And then after that, there's the long, hard work of bringing the church to maturity, which is about another six to eight years. So if everything works great and I'm... I'm, if everything works great and, and the language is easy and you've got brilliant linguists and brilliant Bible <coughs> teachers saying you're looking at maybe 12 or 13 years from beginning to end but realistically it's more like 15 to 20 before you can leave a church then that has its own leadership its own pastor teachers, its own missionaries and that is a church that is producing churches and, and, of course, the Word of God. And sometimes it's complete. Sometimes it's still in the process. And they're ver- right there along with you helping. So, um, anyway, I, that's actually my last slide, I think, because I wanted to get to this. So, it's nothing fast. So, whenever you, you hear speedy missions, it should be a red flag. Because it's hard enough to plant a church in our own language and to have a healthy, thriving church in this culture let alone going into a brand new one that you don't know the language, you don't know the culture, and and all of a sudden you're just going to have this flourishing church in two years. Um, And again, we can't take the Holy Spirit and the the God out of the picture. He's the one who does the work, but he wants us to do it well, and he doesn't want us to take shortcuts. So Um, anyway, any questions on any of this? I think we have a few minutes, maybe. Two minutes, three minutes, two minutes. Do we have any thoughts or questions about what I've said? Or about tribal ministry or the video or anything?
0: So Ethnos 360, we know they've been in Indonesia. Do you have teams that are in
1: refugee camps or is that kind of where you're looking next? No, we, we work in 36 different countries around the world. We were the second largest mission organization in the world. I think we're the third now. And we are predominantly a church planning mission organization, even though we're the second largest translation mission organization in the world. We're a church planning mission organization, even though we're the second largest aviation mission organization in the world. But what I'm saying is, yes, we we work globally. And predominantly our our focus is unreached. So that's, uh, what do they say, less than 2% of you know, in a, in a people group that has access to any kind of gospel witness. So we work in unreached, and often, many times, our works are unreached, unengaged. So they're unwritten languages, and so you've gotta go in and do it. And we work all over the world, and yes, we do work, because that's where the nations are coming to us, which we've heard that, and it's true, and so we're trying to think outside the box, how do we reach the nations that are coming to us? There's a ton of displaced people groups all over the world now. It doesn't matter where you're at. I mean, Ukraine is perfect. They're all over now. And And so there's all this displaced people group, some of them living in situations like that. So, yeah, we have teams in Africa now figuring out, and they may just be living there in tents in all the wallow and the the yuckiness, and they might just be living there working with one particular people group, with two million people. So it's... You know, you it's,
0: remember, a large number of the world population is displaced right now. Absolutely.
1: And so, how do we get in there? And because some of those displaced peoples are coming from closed access countries and places where you can't just get in there with the gospel as a missionary. So, being creative on how you can get in there. And so, yes, we're working all over in, in, in those kind of settings as well. So, it's not all of this anymore but there's still a ton of this left. There's probably 1,600 to 2,000 people groups like this left. Um, You know, there's a lot of them. So maybe at least 1,000 of the the really isolated ones. So um, any other thoughts, questions? So I think that was it. Oh yeah, those are the letters. We'll just be done there. Okay, well, if that's it, then that's all I had. We moved through quickly, and hopefully it was different enough. (laughs) Thank you so much, by the way.